I had just begun to work, Lua in the room sitting on a couch nearby, when the master smiled at me, then turning to Lua said in Persian, this makes me sleepy, what shall I do? Tell the master Lua that if he would like to take a nap, I can work while he sleeps. But I found that I could not. What I saw then was too sacred, too formidable. He sat still as a statue, his eyes closed, infinite peace on that chiseled face, a god-like calm and grandeur in his erect head. Suddenly, with a great flash like lightning, he opened his eyes, and the room seemed to rock like a ship in a storm with the power released. The master was blazing. The veils of glory, the thousand veils, had shriveled away in that flame, and we were exposed to the glory itself. Lua and I sat shaking and sobbing. Then he spoke to Lua. I caught the words, Munadie Ad, Herald of the Covenant. Lua started forward, her hand to her breast. Man? I? she exclaimed. Call one of the Persians. You must understand this. Never shall I forget that moment. The flashing eyes of Abdu'l-Baha, the reverberations of his voice, the power that still rocked the room. God of lightning and thunder, I thought. I appoint you, Lua, the herald of the covenant, and I am the covenant appointed by Baha'u'llah, and no one can refute his word. This is the testament of Baha'u'llah. You will find it in the holy book of Akhtas. Go forth and proclaim, this is the covenant of God in your midst. A great joy had lifted Lua up. Her eyes were full of light. She looked like a winged angel. Oh, recreate me, she cried, that I may do this work for thee. By now, I was sobbing uncontrollably. Julie, too, said Lua, not even in such a moment forgetful of me, wants to be recreated. But the master had shrouded himself with his veils again, the thousand veils. He sat before us now in his dear humanity, very, very human, very simple. Don't cry, Juliet, he said. This is no time for tears. Through tears, you cannot see to paint. I tried hard to hold back my tears and to work, but painting that day was at an end for me. The master smiled lovingly. Juliet is one of my favorites because she speaks the truth to me. See how I love the truth, Juliet. You spoke one word of truth to me and see how I have praised it. I looked up to smile in answer and in gratitude and then was overwhelmed again by that awful convulsive sobbing. At this the master began to laugh and as he laughed and laughed, the strangest thing happened. It was as if at each outburst he wrapped himself in more veils so that now he looked completely human, without a trace left of his superhuman majesty. Never had I seen him like this before, 
and I never did afterward. You're listening to the Journey West podcast, dedicated to following the travels of Abdu'l-Bahá in the West. It was on June 1, 1912, that Abdu'l-Bahá first sat for his portrait done by Juliet Thompson. The scene that we heard at the top of the show took place on July 9th of that year and gives us a glimpse into the station of the Master and his role as the center of the covenant. In the Tablet of the Branch, written by Baha'u'llah, he describes Abdu'l-Bahá in the following way. Render thanks unto God, O people, for his appearance. For verily, he is the most great favor unto you, the most perfect bounty upon you. And through him, every moldering bone is quickened. He is the trust of God amongst you, his charge within you, his manifestation unto you, and his parents among his favored servants. In a talk given on June 2, 1912, the Master explains the purpose of the covenant. He must enter into a covenant with his Lord in order that he shall obey the divine commands and become unified with his fellow man. While the topic of the covenant is vast and requires a lifetime of study, we definitely encourage our listeners to explore this concept in their own faith. There are also, of course, Baha'i Institute courses, such as Ruhi Book 8, that cover this topic. Let's move now to this week's talk, which centers around the topic of politics. Our reader this week is Christine. 8 June 1912. Talk at 309 West 78th Street, New York. The body politic today is greatly in need of a physician. It is similar to a human body afflicted with severe ailments. A doctor diagnoses the case and prescribes treatment. He does not prescribe, however, until he has made the diagnosis. The disease which afflicts the body politic is lack of love and absence of altruism. In the hearts of men, no real love is found, and the condition is such that unless their susceptibilities are quickened by some power so that unity, love, and accord may develop within them, there can be no healing, no agreement among mankind. Love and unity are the needs of the body politic today. Without these, there can be no progress or prosperity attained. Therefore, the friends of God must adhere to the power which will create this love and unity in the hearts of the sons of men. Science cannot cure the illness of the body politic. Science cannot create amity and fellowship in human hearts. Neither can patriotism nor racial allegiance affect a remedy. It must be accomplished solely through the divine bounties and spiritual bestowals which have descended from God in this day for that purpose. This is an exigency of the times, and the divine remedy has been provided. The spiritual teachings of the religion of God can alone create this love, unity, and accord in human hearts. Therefore, hold to these heavenly agencies 
which God has provided, so that through the love of God this soul bond may be established, this heart attachment realized, and the light of the reality of unity be reflected from you throughout the universe. If we do not hold fast to these divine agencies and means, no result will be possible. Let us pray to God that he will exhilarate our spirits, so we may behold the descent of his bounties, illumine our eyes to witness his great guidance, and attune our ears to enjoy the celestial melodies of the heavenly word. This is our greatest hope. This is our ultimate purpose. And now on to our third segment of the show, the Roundtable Discussion Group. Hi, um, I'm Paolo and I'm a computer engineer. I'm Diane, I'm a photographer. My name is Stan and I'm a student. So when he talks about this need of a physician, it reminds me of a quotation of uh, Baha'u'llah on, on the letter that he wrote to Queen Victoria when he says that which the Lord has ordained as the sovereign remedy and mightiest instrument for the healing of the world is the union of all his people in one universal cause, one common faith. This can in no wise be achieved except through the power of a skilled and all-powerful and inspired physician. And Adul Baha'i in his talks constantly cover how these physicians are the manifestations of God with the teachings that they have brought for the age of where humanity is at that moment. But a physician can't give their his remedies unless the patient actually goes to him and asks for help. So if people don't even acknowledge the existence of a soul, how can they acknowledge the, the existence of a problem with that spiritual aspect of it? No, it's an interesting question, um, which is really difficult because in right now today, the spiritual matters are not our main concerns. And because of the history of religions in the past, we have seen religions more as a something that actually um, <clears throat> does not allow us to develop. Like when religions in the past, has leaders have got involved with politics and how the governments are ruled, has created more damage than actually good. And um, in a previous talk by the master, he explains how we need to look at the reality of religion. Because nowadays, a lot of religious um, beliefs are more traditions that we have created, and that we need to overlook those and really try to look for the reality behind all those re of the religion teaching, which is the spiritual teaching. And all of those are the same, because there's only one reality. And this is all very coherent with the fact that we shouldn't participate in politics as Baha'is. Instead of trying to heal a system that is broken beyond repair, we're actually just trying to build something new entirely from scratch. And the results so far have been nothing short of amazing. Yeah, and you know, um, the, the, the society right now or the political system right now is so much in disarray that we cannot, we cannot uh, repair it, you know? Uh, like you said, we need to build something new. You know, it's beyond repair, you know, and that's why we need this spiritual foundation to repair mm. this, um, this political system at the moment. Well, religion and political are completely two different, you can say, mm. aspects of what society needs, because 
um, like in the Parit talks, Abdul Baha did mention how religion is in charge of the spiritual matters or the spirituality of the humankind, and politic is more concern or responsibility is with what we need as material. So they shouldn't be mixed together because each one has his own responsibilities. But the fact that the politicians or, or rulers have this spiritual knowledge. He says how, for example, if they know that the consequence of their actions today will affect their life after death, if they believe in that, if they believe and they are afraid of breaking the divine laws, they will rule with justice. They will not rule with oppression. They will really like rule with what is better for the for their own societies. And that's so religions does influence politics, but they should not merge and be one. So religion does provides the remedy that the political system needs, the way of governments function, but should not replace it. Well that's certainly the case with the politics that are that exists right now. But I also wonder about the administrative order that we're building with the Baha'i faith. Because no matter how we look at it, human being, the human being is a spiritual being in the first place. So there has to be a spiritual aspect to whatever he does and creates. And that includes the society ruling, basically, which is politi politics, essentially. Mm -hmm. So there has to be some sort of religion in a way, even within politics. I remember in the talk you referred to um, the disease uh, which affects the body politic as um, the absence of love, like you're saying. You know, and where, where, where do we get that love? Where's the source of that love? And the source of that love is through religion. We get that, um, that, that source of love from Baha'u'llah and from the religion that he, 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 he lays down. You know? And love and unity are the needs for this body politic. Exactly. So I think that instead of us talking about political things that doesn't bring us to anything, we should talk about what our community needs or what kind of actions we can do as individuals for our own neighborhoods, for example. Mm. And then I just feel that by concentrating on our neighborhoods and by involving our own areas, at some point, other areas will see what happened and can take inspiration of those kind of activities. And I think that's how it gets to spread. So as we all pretty much acknowledge already, the, the current political system is pretty much inherently flawed in that this division in parties can bring anything but disunity among everybody. And that is the reason why Baha'is shouldn't participate in these matters, participate in politics by joining these parties or by arguing about these matters with people and engaging in debates which can only bring disunity. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to just disregard the needs of the society. Basically, all the things we do are about society and better and, the, and its betterment. Everything we do with our core activities, with study circles, with junior youth groups, everything is about improving society and bring about and trying to answer its needs. It's just a different way of doing it. Yes, I agree. And um I feel um, there is an agent need, you know, in uh, a new a new order because the old o the old world order has got a lot of um, customs and concepts and principles that were that are affecting humanity now. You know, if you look at um, a lot of aspects, if you look at 
capacity building. You know, in in the old world order, there was an issue where um, humanity or people were looked at as empty receptacles. You know, and information or concepts were given to them in such a way that they needed. They, they were looked upon as people that don't know, and information was given to them. But now, you know, um, we have reached a stage that humanity is mature, and humanity can look at each other as people on, like invested with gems, you know, like we have these um, rich gems, and we just need to nurture them and help each other, you know. And I like the way um, the talk was talking about spiritual, the, the spiritual teachings of the religion of God can alone create this love, unity and accord in human in human hearts you know because the spiritual foundation is the foundation of what is is the foundation is what humanity needs as foundation from there is when we can like build up a new society it's interesting because a lot of people will say that unity is an utopia that cannot exist but when you talk about these people having these gems and how they've been empowered we can see efforts like that today and they exist around the world mm. you have People from so many different countries, all working for the spiritual um, classes for children, for the empowerment of junior youth. And from India to Africa, passing through Europe, and even in the American continent, you have all this group of people who are working for the betterment of their own communities. And that reason, that working for their own betterment, for all of them to be able to develop, has created a unity in those communities because they have that common goal. And so what you said is important is that we're not empty recipients, that we just need to know what to do. We really need to look for what is the reality. We need to look for developing our capacities and how can we all contribute to the betterment of, of our society. That's it for our show today. Special thanks to Janice Vanderdool for playing Juliet Thompson, Christine Ascension for reading, and our roundtable participants, Paolo Squizabia, Diane Thomas, and Stan Lingui. If you'd like more information about Abdu'l-Baha's travels in the West, visit our website, www.thejourneywest.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Journey West. Thanks, everyone. Bye.